Welcome back to episode 7 of The Brown Couch. I'm Sarah. I'm Abby. I'm Anna. And we're here to bring you true crime stories. So as you all know what The Brown Couch is about, we're here back again. Thanks for coming back in and like listening to another week of true crime from us. Actually, we have listeners now from Iceland, Australia, Poland, the UK, Costa Rica, Bermuda, and Germany. So that's wow. fucking cool. That's really that's fucking so cool. <laughs> and welcome if you're brand new. We're always yeah. glad to have new people. Make sure you follow us and hit that bell button if you want to see whenever we post. We kind of post miscellaneously right now. We're on pretty busy schedule so it's hard for us to stick to one straight day which we apologize for but like i said just hit that bell button and you'll see every time we post and hopefully we will maybe get on somewhat of a schedule soon yep this week abby has a case for us yeah um so we are gonna be talking about the case of shanda share today a uh, quick trigger warning for this episode um this case is pretty heavy it involves the death of a child and there's also mentions of suicide self-harm domestic abuse and sexual assault so if that sounds like something that might be a bit much for you this week um absolutely no worries i understand feel free to click off of this episode and we will hopefully see you another time and with that, let's get into Abby's episode. Shanda Sher was born on June 6, 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky. After her parents divorced, her mother remarried and moved the family to Louisville. She moved schools a lot and like everywhere, every school that she went to, she was always like very involved in activities. Like she did cheerleading, softball, volleyball. Um, and she was like always very social, like very, mm -hmm. very popular, like very able to make friends wherever she went. She eventually settled in Indiana at Hazelwood Middle School. Like I said, like she got like really good grades, like everyone really got along with her. Um, it was clear like she had a very bright future ahead of her. Um, there was one incident at school where she ended up getting into a fight with an older girl who ended up pushing her to the ground. And this girl was 14-year-old Amanda Heverin. Um, Amanda had a, like a reputation at the school of like mm -hmm. getting into fights and kind of being like a troublemaker. At 14? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what had happened was the two girls, Amanda and Shanda, um, were put into detention together and throughout the week they actually ended up becoming like close friends and then that friendship actually like kind of grew into like a romantic relationship Aww. yeah so really cute. right Aww. just like a little oh <laughs> early, early oh. on cute. yeah oh. um so amanda asked shanda to be her date to the school oh. dance and um Wait. I feel like it was a trick. No. No, it was genuine? It was genuine. Okay. Wait, what year was this, did you say? They were like 12 and 14. This was 1991. That's a, that's okay. a weird age. I feel like 12 and 14. I know, the, the age difference, like... I mean, I know they're still both minors, but it's just like, I feel like at 14, you're a lot different than you were at 12. And that's actually something that comes into play um, because Shanda's mom like was not happy with the relationship. Mm -hmm. Not because Shanda was dating a girl. She didn't have a problem with that. But because um, it was that Amanda was like this older girl, mm -hmm. you know, and she didn't want like Shanda to feel pressured into anything. So the two went to the dance together and at the dance, they ended up running into 16 year old Melinda Loveless, who is Amanda's ex. Oh, 
Oh, shit. Yeah. So, this is That's when... That's a cool last name, though. Loveless? That, like, it, it seems fitting. Right. <laughs> it is fitting. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Melinda and Amanda had dated for about a year, which, I mean, like, it, it's not, like, that long, but, like, considering their ages, like, they were, like, they were, like, 14 at the time, and it right. was, like, both of their first relationship with a girl, so, like, at the time, like, that is, like, a very long right, relationship. You're young, it's, like, you're significant. Young. It's the first. It's what you right, know. Right, right. It's all you know. But their relationship was, like, very on again, off again, and this was because of Melinda being, like, a very jealous person. Mm. Melinda's parents were... Parents? <laughs> Melinda's parents? <laughs> Melinda's parents. Her parents were not accepting of her sexuality. It's too bad. On top of that, her father was a very abusive man. Um, he would sexually abuse the mother, and he sexually abused the children as well. He forced his wife into swinging, which um, basically what that entails is, like, having sex yeah. with other people while he watched, I guess. Yeah. And then he would get, like, really mad that she did that and really jealous about it. But which, he was the one that started like, it. Right, which that. make it make sense. Something shifted in Melinda's teen years when her parents all of a sudden became, like, very involved in the Baptist church, like, out of nowhere. What um, so after, well, no, right? God. <laughs> all of a sudden one day, I am now super, super I'm celibate. Christian. Exactly, celibate. what is it? Like, no longer swingers, we are celibate. <laughs> they had actually, they, they were like kind of like looking at Belinda and they're like, why is she like so like misbehaved? And they decided that it was best for them to not put her into therapy or like get her meds or anything, but to call for an exorcism, oh like for her God. to be exorcised. What the fuck? Um, so it yeah. Can't be, it can't be our parenting that caused this. No, no. No, it has to be a demon. It's, it's definitely a demon. Our child likes girls because there's a demon inside of her. So, so yeah. So she had like a very difficult childhood obviously like very just unfortunate so after shanda started dating amanda her grades started going down and she started getting like in more trouble at school so shanda's mom actually forbade for forbid forbid Forbidden. Forbid. 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 Shanda's child. mom said you're forbidden from seeing, from seeing amanda amanda yes so she <laughs> forbid them <laughs> Shanna's mom forbid the two of them from seeing each other, but, like, obviously, them being kids, they still saw each other behind her back. And I mean, right? they go to school together, so Right. Five days a week. <laughs> so, um, the mom, Jackie, actually found out that they were still talking because she found a letter in the mailbox that Shanda had actually intended for Amanda. Like, she was going to be sending it to her. Why would she put it in the mailbox? I don't, because I guess she tried to send it and it got like returned back to her because like the address was wrong or something. But um, basically this was like a love letter and uh, Jackie read the letter and it became very clear to her that the two had like a physical relationship. Oh shit. So obviously she was not happy about this. Amanda being this older girl, she felt like she was. Right. So Shanda is 12 and Amanda is 14. Okay. Melinda told Amanda that she had to choose between the two of them. And, like, obviously, Amanda chose Shanda because she was in a relationship right. with her. And Melinda was her ex. Right. So, like, I don't know what she, she expected. Right. right. Um, and Melinda then told Shanda to stay away from Amanda or else there would be serious consequences. Oh. 
And she said that if she even tried to talk to Amanda again, she would kill her. What? Shanda did not, like, take this seriously at first because, like, she thought she was just saying things, like, to scare her. Right. Like, I mean... Like, at that age, like, relationships can be, like, very highly emotional. And she, like, I don't know, like, people just, like, say things that yeah, obviously they don't mean. Like, they well, get jealous. When you're young, it's hard to navigate your emotions. I mean, you exactly. so much, like, even just hormones and, like, well, I mean, everything else. With everything she was going through at home, right. too. Right, like, right. All she's ever seen is, like, negative. rage. And, yeah. like, you know, you learn from your parents. Like, mm-hmm. they say that the kind of relationship that you eventually end up having typically is how you've learned from your parents and, like, what you've seen from them because, like, that's the only view you have of, like, love, you know? Right. Right. So, like, she didn't take her seriously, bottom line. Um, But Shanda's mother, however, was concerned and so much so that she actually transferred Shanda to the Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic School. Yeah. Yeah, so now Shanda's at this new school and... Within a matter of weeks, she was actually, like, her grades were back up, she was making new friends, and it was like the old Shanda was back. Unfortunately, despite Shanda's transfer to another school, Melinda, like, still was not satisfied. She still was very jealous and was unhappy that Shanda and um, Amanda were, like, talking at all, even though at this point, Shanda had been, like, distancing herself from Amanda. Right. So Melinda kept telling, like, Amanda and anybody else that would listen that she wanted Shanda gone and like she wanted to kill her. On the night of January 10th, 1990, on the night of January 10th, 1992, Shanda was staying at her dad's house. There was a knock on the door and Shanda answered and at the door were two girls that Shanda had never seen before. They were 17 year old Lori Tackett and 15 year old Hope Rippey. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking a little bit about their background. Um, Lori Taggett was born October 5th, 1974 into a very religious and abusive household. Um, She claims to have been molested twice as a kid, um, once at the age of five and once at the age of 12. That's so sad. When she was 14, there was an incident where her mother found out that she had wore jeans at school, like changed into jeans once she got to school. And for some reason, Lori wasn't allowed to wear jeans. So when her mother found out, she strangled her. Oh my God. What the fuck? So it's clear, like Lori had like a very like troubled childhood as well. Um, The other girl that was with her, Hope Rippy, was born in June of 1976. Um, she became friends with Lori Tackett as a kid, and, like, Hope's parents always kind of saw Lori as a bad influence mm-hmm. on her. So, the two of them introduced themselves as friends of Amanda's, and they told Shanda that Amanda wanted to see her, and that they were going to take her there to the witch's castle. So, basically, like, what the witch's castle is, is this, like, abandoned house, I guess, in Indiana that, like, a lot of the kids would, like, hang out at and, like, smoke and, like, you know, just do, like, creepy shit. Reminds me of the warehouse from my hometown. Mm -hmm. Shanda had told them that, like, that she did want to go with them, but um, she told them to come back later, like, once her dad was asleep. So... As you've probably guessed by now, these girls weren't actually friends of Amanda's. They were friends of Melinda's. Uh Uh-oh. So, that night, Melinda had gotten together with Lori Tackett, along with Hope Rippey, and Hope's best friend, Tony Lawrence, for a concert. However, Melinda and Lori had something planned, and when they picked Hope and Tony up, they told them what the plan was. Lori presented them with a kitchen knife and said, we're going to kill a little girl tonight. 
my god over a middle school relationship over a middle school relationship keep in mind these girls did not even know Shanda. They right. barely knew Melinda. So these are also children. Like these yeah. are all minors. And these these girls are like older, and they say like little girl because that's that's what Shanda is. She's yeah, twelve wow. years old. These girls are sixteen, seventeen. Oh my god. So shortly after midnight, the girls returned to Shanda's house to pick her up. When she got into the passenger seat of the car, Melinda jumped out from the back seat from under a blanket she had been hiding under. Um, with a knife and she held it to Shanda's throat. She immediately Shanda like freaked out and started pleading with them and like was asking them just to like bring her back home and she promised like she wouldn't talk to Amanda anymore. But they took Shanda to the witch's castle, that abandoned house, and Lori told her this story about how back in that the day like this house had been owned by nine witches and one mm -hmm. day the townspeople burned the house down um, to kill the witches. And while they were telling her this, they tied Shanda's arms and legs. But then they kind of started to get anxious about passing cars because they didn't they were worried about like someone seeing like a fire. Right. So they put Shanda into the trunk and drove to a forested area. Hope and Tony waited in the car as Melinda and Lori grabbed Shanda out of the back of the car to beat her. Melinda then took the knife and tried to slit Shanda's throat with it, but the knife was too dull. So at this point, Hope got out of the car to hold Shanda down while Melinda stabbed her in the chest and strangled her with a rope. Once she was unconscious, they put her body in the back of the trunk and they all drove back to Lori's house to clean themselves off and drink some sodas. What like, what? What? Um, and but, just like... Like, acting like it's like a normal Friday Yeah, they were just like hanging out. Like it's an activity. Crazy. I'm sorry, I can't get over the dull knife. Like That's how like terrifying. Yeah, no, how literally. it could even cut through her skin. Like that would also hurt her, so bad. Dude. That mm. poor baby. I know, it makes me sad. Because she is, she's, she's, she's 12 years old. She's a baby. Not too long, though, after they were just hanging out after fucking murdering someone, um, they heard the dog barking at something outside. Um, the dog had been barking at screaming that was coming from the trunk. No. Shanda was still alive. So Lori went back out with the knife, and then after a couple minutes came back in covered in Shanda's blood. Tony and Hope then stayed behind at Lori's house while Lori and Melinda went out for a drive with Shanda still in the trunk of the car. There's probably blood on the trunk, dude. Yeah, and multiple times throughout this drive, they would hear, like, gurgling from I'm the scared. trunk. Oh. So they would stop the car, get out, and go back to beat her with a, with a tire iron. And they would do this every time until she was unconscious again, every single time, like, thinking, like, they had killed her, but they were wrong several times. She, she, she wanted to live. She yeah. wanted to live. She was fighting hard. This went on for so long that the sun was eventually coming up. They drove back to Lori's house, um, and they were describing to the other two girls, like, what they had done to Shanda, and, um, Lori was, like, laughing while they were talking about it. That is not normal. Something's sure in their brain, bro. <clears throat> so then all of them got back in the car together and drove to a gas station to purchase a, a jug of gasoline. And then they drove into, like, a secluded wooded area, and Tony actually stayed in the car because she was like freaking out at this point 
while um, they took Hope to the trunk to see Shanda. Hope took Windex and sprayed it in Shanda's like wounds and oh. said to her, not so hot now, are you? Like, again, she didn't even know this girl. Right. How the, like, what is she even talking about? Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I bet Melinda told them, like, this whole, like, story. It's, shit. yeah, complete She definitely did. Story, yeah. Um, but they, they wrapped Shanda in a blanket, and Hope poured gasoline on her, and then Melinda and Lori set the fire. And... They drove away, but Melinda was getting really nervous because she was like, I'm not sure Shanda's actually dead. So she went back, poured the rest of the gasoline on her, and lit her on fire again. The four girls drove away and got McDonald's breakfast. What the fuck? Why are they so casual? It's really, it's really hard to process, just like, because it's really, really sickening. I know, it's sad. Like, this was a little girl like just experiencing her first relationship it's really really sad like there's no remorse none um so her her body had been found by two brothers about an hour after this an hour yeah so this was about this was like 10 a.m at this point <laughs> they thought they were being like slick by going into the woods and like trying to be secretive about it her body was actually like right by the side of the road what? so like they hadn't even like tried. tried to hide her like she was clearly there like for somebody oh. to find and when the brothers like first saw her they thought it was like a mannequin or something mm -hmm. until they got closer which I don't know why people always think dead bodies are mannequins, because why would there, like, randomly be a mannequin, like, right. on the side of the road? But when they got closer, they realized that this was the body of a, of a little girl. This was the burned body of a little girl, um, and it was beyond identification. She was wearing nothing but blue underwear, and the entire top half of her body was almost completely burned. At 8.20 that night... Um, Tony Lawrence was like absolutely hysterical and she drove to the sheriff's station with her parents to confess to the murder. Um, they were all tried as adults and they all accepted plea bargains to avoid the death penalty. Okay. Um, Lorian, sorry. You can say, well, at least she got justice in a way. Because keep in mind, Tony was the one that stayed in the car uh -huh. for most of this. She didn't really do any of the killing, mm -hmm. but on top of that, she's not really innocent either because she also didn't do anything to help. Just stop right. Like she's they're an accomplice. She could have exactly. said like y'all like don't do this. If you are witnessing this horrible crime, you should try to stop it. You should try exactly. to stop it if you have any humanity. And I room. understand that this girl is like a kid and maybe she was scared. I can I could understand that until the point that her and Hope were left alone at the house mm -hmm. and, like, didn't do anything. Because at she that point... She had plenty of opportunity to call the cops then. Exactly. She had plenty of opportunity to do something. And, honestly, Shanda's life, like, could have been saved mm -hmm. if yeah. Tony had done something. We literally so, could have said the, what the model of the car was, where they were headed. Like, exactly. The, maybe they didn't know, like, exactly, but directionally-wise. Or just, like, the model of the car. Like... Right. Like... It, there's not that m and it was early in the hours too there's not that many people out driving mm -hmm. exactly they absolutely could have prevented this it's just fucked up Lori and melinda were sentenced to 60 years in prison and Lori was released in 2000 on good behavior what yeah and she was one of the ones that was like Lori was like the down? ringmaster yeah. of the entire thing she was the oldest one the 17 year old yeah. that organized the entire thing and she was the one that said we're gonna kill a little girl tonight 
so I don't know how or why that happened. She was in prison for literally like eight years. No, literally, she was in prison for like not even as long as Shanda lived. Mm-hmm. How does that make? That makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. But um, in two thousand six, Hope was released. And um, Tony was sentenced to a maximum of, of 20 years, and she was released on parole in 2000 as well. While Melinda was in prison, she kind of like took up training dogs, I guess, and like is putting on this facade that her entire character has changed. Um, I don't really know if I believe that, but um, Shanda's mom like really does, and she actually donated a dog to Melinda in Shanda's name and asked her to train it for her. I don't, I would not, I could never. And that's the thing. She got a lot of backlash for doing that. And like, well, I personally don't think I would have done that. It is up to her to grieve however she needs to. Yeah, it is. So like that takes like a really big person to Mm -hmm. do something like that, I think. Yeah. To be so forgiving and so generous to somebody that played such a terrible role in your own daughter's death. It also could have been like, like a reminder too of like yeah. what she did to exactly yeah. that's kind of how I saw it too but yeah that's there's like a lot more information on this case I gave you like a very shortened version there are some details that were just like too much for like me to stomach so if you want to go ahead and seek out more information about this case um I would like absolutely check out Eleanor Neal on YouTube or Emma Kenny on YouTube and Morbid Podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms. Um, these three are where I got most of my information on this case, and they they go much much more into depth. So if you want to learn more about this, head their way. So that'll wrap up this week's case. Thanks, Abby. Thanks so much for tuning in again, or welcome if this is your first time. We really really appreciate every listener. And we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Bye.